So glad to see you guys out this morning. It's uh, so great to be here to worship God. Um, I want to thank you guys for uh, just uh, the encouragement and the good things that you always have to say. Uh, one of the hardest things for me uh, is to be able to take a compliment from somebody. Uh, I feel so unworthy to do that. Uh, I feel like and I know that the only reason I have this great opportunity to be the pastor here is because of God's favor. I, I certainly don't deserve uh, the honor uh, and I certainly haven't done anything to earn it. Uh, but uh, my heart's desire is to want to be faithful to you about it. And so it's hard for me to... Uh, uh, receive compliments, so I struggle with that. So if I look like I'm squirming, I probably am <laughs> when you guys have those great things to say. It's not that I don't enjoy hearing those things because I really do, uh, but to, it's just, uh, I guess, how God made me to respond that way. And, and so thank you. I enjoy the honor of being pastor here because as I look around, uh, I've spent some time with all of you and some of those times have been maybe one of the greatest times of your life that I've been able to spend with you. And then sometimes it's been probably the worst time of your life together. But that is life. It's joy. It's sorrow. It's heartache. It's struggle. It's worry. Uh, it's all those things combined. And as pastor, as a pastor, that's one of the joys of being in the ministry and one of the great rewards is to be able to share those times in your church family's lives together. And so I want to thank you guys for those moments. Uh, I found out a lot about some of you guys that I'll never forget. Uh, and uh, so, and, and some, spent some times with you that you'd probably like to forget also. But uh, again, that's a part of the joy of getting to know each other as a family. And so thank you guys for for that, for making the ministry that God has given myself and Jackie a true blessing and a true joy. And so for all that, we say thank you. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus begins to give, he gives the church uh, the commemoration for his death, what it means to the church, the inexpressible joy of salvation through his giving up of his life and he describes it and he uses certain elements to describe the sacrifice that he would make the absolute brokenness of his body the pouring out of his blood all those things and so I entitled the message this morning broken because there's value in broken things a lot of times we don't see that but there is and so I want to share with you a couple of things this morning about broken or brokenness. And uh, as uh, we do that, uh, it's in the context of Jesus sharing about those uh, last experiences that he would have with his disciples as he would minister to them as well. Follow along with me, if you would, beginning in Matthew 26, at verse 25. And I want to read through... Uh, verse 30 in the scripture says this, And then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said, said it. 
And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take Eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out. To the Mount of Olives. Bow with me if you would this morning. Let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, we're so grateful this morning that you are our God. That you're our Father, the one who loves us greater than any other one can love us. That your love's everlasting, as Jeremiah says. That it draws us to you. And Lord, I just thank you this morning that you've given us a message from you of encouragement today. And Father, we thank you for that today. Lord, I pray that you'll take these verses of Scripture, open our minds, uh, sow that good seed into our hearts that it'll find root. And Father, we're so thankful today that we have an eternal message, a word from you that never changes. And Lord, I pray that you'll pour out that message to us this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. You know, when you think about brokenness, one of the things that we have to acknowledge and that we have to realize is that we live in a broken world. That this world that we live in, the people around us, uh, certainly as described in Scripture, is broken. Now, when you begin to think about what Jesus is doing here in his redemption, there's a reason that he came. There's a reason that he died. There's a reason that he gave up his life. There's a reason that he established this commemorative of remembering his sacrifices because the world needed that sacrifice. Because we certainly are a broken world. I want you to think with me, first of all, this morning about the scope of a broken world. How, how big is that or, or how bad is that very idea of a broken world? Well, as Jesus gives this commemoration of our salvation, a way for the church for 2,000 years to remember what he did for us, think about just for a minute the context of how he gives this gift to the church. In other words, he gives it, and, and there's two things to really think about. First of all, he gives the Lord's Supper in the context of the Passover. And then, remember, they were celebrating the Passover. They were in the upper room, and what they were doing is they'd made preparations, and they had fixed everything for the Passover celebration. And then it also fits into the context of his betrayal, uh, he, think, think about the, the two extremes of those things that on one hand they're remembering God's deliverance out of, out of bondage. For 400 years Israel had spent in bondage in Egypt. You know the story from the Old Testament how that they had suffered and how uh, that they uh, were enslaved and that through their suffering they cried out to God and God answered and He sent uh, deliverance to the nation of Israel. What a story. It's the heritage of Israel. Their deliverance from bondage out of Egypt. And so it's commemorated. I remember that last plague uh, where God told them to prepare a lamb and apply the 
blood to the doorposts and he was going to come and judge all of Egypt and uh, the firstborn of all the families were going to be taken, their lives were going to be taken except for those who had believed God and did what he had told them to do and applied the blood to their house, the death angel would pass over that particular house and spare that firstborn. And, and, and all that uh, and the context and the, really the Passover itself was just pointing toward the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And so in that context, Jesus would give us this gift to the church of the Lord's Supper. Why? Because we, we live in, in a broken world. You see, the Passover and his betrayal, the best and the worst, isn't it? The best of God's deliverance and the worst of man's sinful heart. That would betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason we know that we live in, in this broken world that we live in. You know, as you look at Scripture and the Bible begins to reveal our lostness or our brokenness or our estrangement from God, our separation from God. And, you know, we think this COVID virus is contagious. Let me tell you, there's something more contagious that's in our midst in this COVID virus. Paul explains it like this. Listen to what he says. He says in Romans 5 verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. How contagious is that? I mean, it gets everybody. Sin is, is passed through Adam in his original sin, in his ri- original disobedience to God. And every human being since Adam's creation and after Adam's sin has been a recipient of that sin nature. We all have it. We're all sinners by, by birth, naturally. We inherit that nature from Adam. And then the Scripture says that we choose to act on that nature, that for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We live in a world today that's broken. It's broken by sin. The scope of sin is universal. Everyone is a sinner. And because everyone is a sinner, then... Everyone needs the remedy for sin. A relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus also reminds us not only the scope of of a broken world, but He also gives us some signs of a broken world. If, If it's not just enough to know personally that we're a sinner, then certainly we can look around us and see corporately that this world is full of sin. Right? I mean, look at how we treat each other. Look at how we use each other. Look at how we respond to God in our sinfulness. Jesus reminds us of some of those very things. One of those things in this passage of Scripture, one of the verses that we didn't read, uh, is a, a reminder that, uh, that the whole world is is really, in a sense, how, how little it takes people to sell out the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you noticed that? I mean, when it comes down to it, sometimes it really doesn't take a lot to tempt us away and for us to turn our back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in verse 14, l- listen to what the Scripture says. It talks about Judas's betrayal uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it says this... Uh, 
<laughs> it says, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Now look, I don't know. 30 pieces of silver may have been quite a bit of money in Jesus' day. I don't know how much that would have equated to in, in today's economy or whatever. But what I do know, it wasn't enough to satisfy his guilty soul because the Bible says that Jesus went out and hanged himself. That all the guilt, the betrayal, uh, all that, that, that heaviness of denying the Lord Jesus Christ uh, really pushed Judas to take his own life. I, to me, 30 pieces of silver isn't worth my life. And denying the Lord Jesus Christ isn't worth my life. And not accepting Him as my personal Savior. Uh, knowing that is the remedy for my salvation gives me hope. But I've often been amazed throughout the years at how little it takes for someone to turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. The smallest of excuse. The smallest of, of, of self-justification. Uh, the, the ounce of pride that keeps people from believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can cost them their eternal soul. Another thing about the signs of, of a broken world. Is not just how little... Sometimes it is for people to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. But also if you look at this passage, the world is always plotting how to sell out Jesus Christ. I mean, look around you. Look at verse 16. Uh, and and uh, so the scripture says, So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. So Jesus gets his 30 pieces of silver. And so then now he's looking for opportunity opportunity to betray the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to give him up to his enemies. Uh, and so, sure enough, he found an opportune time and did that very thing. But the world is always plotting on how to sell out the Lord Jesus Christ or how to give him up. This week I was reading an article published on a website called The American Thinker. In that article, I really found some great truth, and it's written by a guy by the name of Bill Thomas. And he, he looked at the world, and he looked at our culture today, and he saw some things that was threaded throughout our culture that really give up the agenda of the world when it comes to Christianity and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he writes real shortly. He says, the left's assault on the Christian faith is three-pronged. First, leftists seek to redefine what it means to be a Christian. Next, they seek to silence Christian voices in the arena of public discussion. And third, they want to elevate the ideas of non-Christians to change traditional thinking. They want to shift the emphasis of a changed life to doing what they define as societal good. What he's saying is, is that the world is trying to move the understanding of Christianity off of a changed life onto social acceptance of other people. I want to tell you something. The evidence of a Christian has always been a changed life. 
the evidence for a Christian has always been transformational living. Jesus said you must be born again. He's not talking about acceptance of everything, but what he's talking about is change from everything. And, and so the, the culture is pressuring the church and Christians today to accept societal changes but not be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's exactly what Paul says. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if we're not doing that as a believer, then we're giving in to the pressures of the culture today and we're becoming like the world. And not like Jesus Christ. God's goal isn't to change us like the world. But it's to transform us and preserve us while we're in the world serving Him. If we don't accept that. If we don't cling to that. Then we're going to be ineffective. And we're going to be a part of the plotting of the world to change ideas about what it really is to be a true born again believer. A third thing is is that people are often clueless about their own capacity to sin. You notice that? <laughs> I mean, sometimes we just think, well, I could never do that. Right? Maybe there's a time in Jesus' life when Jesus first called him. And Jesus was thinking, I could never betray him. Then all of a sudden, somewhere down the road, a few years later, we find Jesus at the very heart of the betrayal of Jesus Christ. Let me give you the advice that Jeremiah did about our hearts, by the way. And, and I want to tell you, it's not very complimentary, so I want you to hear this because I'm saying it with love and because God says it. But here's what Jeremiah says about the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? Who can know? You see, as we begin to look around, we see signs all around us. Who could have thought would you have ever thought that some of the things that our, our world is accepting today would be just so freely embraced by even the people that we know the best? Who would have thought it? Let me ask you, have you lost the shock value of sin because you see what's going on around you? I mean, you know, that's something we pastors talk about, you know, we... Talk about the things that used to surprise us, but now it doesn't anymore. Not, not just, and I'm sure you guys are the same way that you see things happening in the world and you're thinking, there is no way this can be happening, but it really is. Because as you look around us, you see the signs of a broken world. And certainly it's being guided by, by uh, a deceitful heart. That truly is desperately wicked. Well, what's the, what's the cure for heart disease? It's not a stent. Okay. It's not stopping to eat fried foods. It, no. The cure for a broken heart is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the only answer to heal that heart. To give life. We talk about how this virus has taken so much from us, and it really has. It's taken lives physically from us, but let me tell you, it, it's, it's taken our, our spiritual life as well, our emotional life. 
Because it's robbing us of opportunities to serve God. And so we, we have to be careful and realize that this world is, is, is broken and people don't always understand their capacity to do sinful things. And then also when you look around and you see the signs of a broken world, you also have to agree that it's how people think that we can get away with it. Right? I mean, look at verse 25. Jesus told the disciples, one of you guys are going to betray me. And so all the disciples began to ask him, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? You know, they're thinking, wow, could I ever do something like that? Uh, and uh, so they're asking him. And, and so Jesus gives them a sign of who it is. And so the real betrayer comes to him and he asks him, he says, is it me? Well, that's kind of foolish, isn't it? He knows it's him. You see what? In, in verse 25, listen to what it says. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you said it. In other words, Jesus was saying, do you know it's me? Am I going to get away with it? Or do you have that knowledge that it's me? And you know what Jesus says is, you said it. You said it, brother. It's you. It's you. How many times do we look around us in the world today and people are thinking, I, I want to see how much I can get away with. How, how often, even as Christians, are we guilty to walking up to the edge of sin and temptation and, and, and really, in a sense, asking ourselves, can I get away with it? Or how much can I get away with? Or how far can I go? Or how far can I push God's grace? And all these things become signs of a, of a world that's just broken. It's broken. But you know, the good news is that the greatest need a broken world has is a broken life. A broken life. It's what Jesus said about himself, that he would be broken. And that's the answer to the world's needs, isn't it? Uh, Adrian Rogers said, men throw broken things away, but God never uses anything until he first breaks it. You see, as believers, we follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as, as believers and as His children, if we're not broken over our own personal sin, we're not going to be effective for Him. If God doesn't grab our heart from time to time through His Word and, and wrench our heart over our own disobedience and over our own rebellion until we come back and we repent and we turn back to Him, then we're in trouble. It's that time when God breaks us. He strips away the pride. He, he takes away our self-reliance. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe that's what's happening in our world today. Is that we needed a good dose of reality that we can't take care of ourselves. Is that we're, we're not so good on our own. But we really need the Lord Jesus Christ 
And so he begins to send us through these circumstances and through these times where, where he breaks us. Sometimes he, he, he humbles us in his blessings. Have you ever had that happen? That you're feeling so good about yourself. And you know what God does? He just heaps the blessings on and you get more than you ever realized or ever thought you deserved. And in that, He just humbles you. But it's all about brokenness. And it's all about how He examples brokenness in our lives. You see, the bread and the drink represents Jesus and how He was broken to provide our salvation. He gives us a way to remember these same characteristics should define our lives also. The very things that move Jesus Christ. The broken Christian ought to be like the broken Savior. Broken over our sin. Broken over this world. Broken because so many don't know Jesus Christ as their own Savior. How can we be full recipients of the grace of God and not have a, a measure of burden for somebody who's lost and outside of that relationship? How can we take the good gift of God and receive it as our own and not want somebody else to have it? Maybe because we're not broken. What are some of the things about a broken life? Well, you see those in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 26, you'll see that Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it. Remember, this is a symbol of who he was and what he was about to do. And the Bible says that he took it and blessed it. In other words, he sanctified it. He set it aside for a, a certain purpose. You see, that's what our life ought to be. We ought to be sanctified. We ought to be blessed in the sense by God to know that we exclusively belong to him. I'm going to tell you what, the Bible says God's a jealous God. And, and some of the things that he's jealous about, first of all, is his holiness. He will not compromise his holiness. He will not permit his children for a very long time to compromise his holiness. Before he disciplines his children in life. He will not compromise his holiness. He will not compromise his relationship with you. Because he gave his life for you. He will not compromise his purpose that he has for you. And that all rolls back into this idea of being set aside for Jesus Christ. He wants an exclusive relationship with you. Why do you think he calls the church the bride of Christ? Because he looks at us in that kind of pure relationship. That a husband and wife have with each other. Now, how many of you that are married here this morning would want a compromising mate? That you would want your husband and your wife to be unfaithful to you? I don't see any hands raised, so I'm assuming all of you feel that way. Why do you think that Jesus Christ would want that same kind of relationship? Or that kind of relationship? So there's this sense of being set aside for Him. We have to realize as believers that God has set us aside for His glory and for His purposes. And our very existence and life and eternal life revolve around that truth that we are His. Purchased by His blood, bought by the price of His life to bring glory and honor to Him.
And anything outside of that very thing is the opposite of being broken. Let me give you another characteristic of brokenness. Not only a broken life is sanctified, but a broken life is shared. It's shared. Listen to what he says at the end of verse 26. He says, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. So what did Jesus do? He shared. In a sense, he shared himself with us. That on Calvary, and just a few verses later, if you continue on in the book of Matthew, you'll see Jesus voluntarily, willingly going to the cross Giving up his life, sharing his life so that you and I could be saved, redeemed by his blood. It's shared. You see, God has called each of us as his children to share our lives with other people. I mean, to share the good news, to share his love, to share his, his expression of himself through our lives. That's what God calls us to do as believers. Is to share. If we're not sharing, then we're not broken. Because in that brokenness and in that awareness of God's purpose, we can't help but share. Share your story about how you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Share what Jesus Christ means to you. Share what Jesus Christ is doing in your life. We've got one of the greatest backdrops of, of, of sharing that we've ever had in the history of this nation right now in these days that we live in because of this virus. We can share without fear or we can share the peace that God gives us, but we just need to share. It's a characteristic of brokenness. Another one is that a broken life is sacrificed. Sacrifice. Look at verse 28. Jesus goes on and says, For this is my body of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus is saying, I'm sharing my, I'm sacrificing myself so that you can live. You know, we can't give our lives up for anybody else's sins. We can't even give our life up for our own sin. But what we can do is that we can give our life up for Jesus Christ. And in doing so, see others come to know Him. Jesus says that if you're my disciples, He says then, take up your cross and follow me every single day. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's the giving up of our life for Jesus Christ. It's a day by day thing. You know, it's just not a monumental decision that we make once in our life, although it is a monumental decision that we make once in our life. But it's every day waking up thinking, I'm going to live my life for Jesus today. I'm going to sacrifice my plans for His. Uh, his purposes for mine. Uh, his power for my power. Uh, I'm going to do all those things today so that I can give up my life for Him. And in doing so... Reaching other people. And then the last characteristic is that a broken life is secure. It's secure. You know, you think, well, hey, if my life's broken, then who's going to defend me? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to look after me? Who's going to take up my cause? 
Well, let me tell you what, Jesus Christ has already done that. He's already won the battle for you. It's already been won in Jesus Christ. And he gives us in the promise of assurance in verse 29 that's so amazing. He says, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus says, I, you're going to be with me in my Father's kingdom. You're going to be with me. Why? Because you put your faith in me. Your life was broken because you lived in a broken world, but I came to save you. And that's the message that we have as a church. When you prioritize everything in the church or in our own life, it always has to come back to Jesus Christ. He is the main thing. Let me ask you this morning. Brokenness. Uh, we certainly live in a broken world. We don't need to be convinced of that. But what's the remedy for this broken world? It's a broken life. Lived for Jesus Christ. Pray with me if you would. Father in heaven, I'm so thankful today that you've given us the great privilege of being a part of the family of God. That it's not free, but it was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, in understanding and knowing the brokenness of this world, the lostness, the separation, the sin, that we all once were, Knowing is forgiven in Jesus Christ is certainly amazing grace. So Lord, I pray this morning that you'll help us to reflect on brokenness. Not just this world, but our own personal need to be absolutely trusting in you for everything. To... Give up self, our life, to be called to greater things than we could ever accomplish by ourselves and on our own, but to trust in you and your kingdom work as our lifetime work, as our great calling. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. I invite you to stand.